Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to ignite the growth of your agency. When you're picking a niche, you need to have that as a consideration where you're trying to narrow down, but you're also making sure that it's wide enough. And that you are 100% certain that it could be the product that was needed 100 years ago and will still be needed in 100 years' time. Yeah, we've got a valuation at 3.5 million. And in the past, I would always say, I'm, I'm doing it. My only question was, are you confident to get it? If you are feeling frustrated with the lack of growth in your agency and you're impatient to reach those ever-moving goalposts, then here's your invitation to spend a day with us at AJHQ for a no-holds-barred peek behind the scenes of our agency, Ashdown Jones. All you need to do is go to ajmastermind.co.uk forward slash BTS day. Best of all, it's free. Here are your hosts, Sam and Phil. I've just read a really interesting book called From the Impossible to the Inevitable. And I want to share some ideas with you, Phil, on this podcast episode. Please do. I will. We've also got it on Audible, so you can go and listen to it as well, because I know that's your preferred format. Why have you plugged in your late night DJ voice <laughs> at the start of this? Well, because... It's, we, a, it's a Friday. We're, we're, it's it is excited. a Friday. It's the Friday before you go skiing. Yeah. I'm going skiing in the morning. Woohoo. Can't wait. It's probably my late night DJ voice because we've both been a little bit poorly the last few days. So this is my croaky voice, <laughs> which sounds a little bit like a late night DJ. We've put it on Audible, so you haven't started listening to me yet, have you? I haven't. No. It's by a guy called Aaron Ross, and I wanted just to share some ideas with you. And I, I would like to get your insights, given that you haven't listened to this book, on this kind of six-step framework that he offers in this book and how I think we can use it for our business going forward into 2024 and beyond, and then maybe how our listeners can utilise it in their businesses as well. So first of all, a little bit about Aaron, because he was a very early employee in Salesforce.com, which you'll Mm -hmm. have heard of. I don't know how many people will have heard of it in this country, because although it's a huge international company, it is for companies of certain size. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's also a system, I think, as opposed to yeah, a CRM. It's, it's grown, yeah, it's grown out of just being a CRM. I'm trying to think what else it does. Well, for example, if you compare it to, say, Sage, Sage does far more than just CRM now and accounting yeah. software, doesn't it? So I suppose it's it's along the same kind of lines. And all-encompassing behind... Back office, back office kind of stuff, yeah. But yeah, but it's worth billions and billions. Oh, yeah, massive company. So it's yeah. it's a huge company that actually very few people have heard of. Yeah, well, it's not really relevant in our industry. No, but what I like about it is that he applied some strategically disciplined formulas to growing Salesforce and then has continued to do that for other companies as well. And now he's got a like a a business growth consultancy based on this. But what's really interesting is what I read of him in the first couple of chapters of the book, where he says he only works 20 to 25 hours a week. He's written, I think, three books and he's got 10 children. No wonder he only works 20, 20. Which one came first? <laughs> well, he's grown his family by adoption as well as by natural methods, but had to have a family life with a family of potentially 12 of them. That takes some significant mm. discipline and organisation. Yeah, I'm just thinking holidays. How are they doing that? Who knows? Airbnbs must be. Yeah. My name's James, and I'm from James Kendall Estate Agents in Bedfordshire. I love the AJ Mastermind group, mainly because I get to meet with similar like-minded people, get to discuss our challenges that are similar, always come away with new ideas, 
It's about meeting with great, like-minded people and saw some familiar faces in the room that I knew, but equally, I came away feeling like I'd made a really good decision and had a really good impact on, on the business moving forward. He's a very successful guy. He actually lives in Edinburgh. So I said to you before we started, we're going to reach out to him and see if he wants to come on the podcast. And if by any chance he's listening or somebody who knows Aaron is listening, then maybe point him in the direction of this episode. So, so he started Salesforce? No, he didn't. He didn't start. He was an early employee in Salesforce, okay. but he definitely didn't start it. He right. was nothing to do with start. And I don't think he was any kind of shareholder or anything when they went public either. Okay. Or if he was, it was a very, very small. It's, it's an American company, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it's out of Colorado. He, is he American? Out of where? Yeah, I think it's out of Colorado. Um, he was an early Salesforce sales leader, creating an outbound sales team and system that created hundreds of millions in new recurring revenue, doubling Salesforce.com's enterprise growth rate. He's also the co-author of From Impossible to Inevitable, which is what we're talking about on this podcast episode, the number one SaaS book, and by SaaS we mean software as a service book, Quantum Book Authority and a Predictable Revenue, which is about sales systems that help Salesforce, Twilo, Zwara and other companies create billions. And he also talks about... Good memory. Thank you. He also talks about how some of the companies he works with routinely and strategically buy companies and then treble their revenue or treble their value, sorry, not revenue. And how he does that. And he does that through creating um, hyper growth in sales. So he's got a lot of really good ideas to that we should be listening to I think okay and I want to be much more disciplined about our sales this year <clears> which is what's led us to this conversation so he's got a six-step framework if you like and when I was reading through it I thought it just speaks to us and what we teach so I think there's a lot of parallels there that I think we can explore so I'll tell you what they all are first and then we'll go into them all in case you've only got time to listen to the first five minutes of the podcast and you're already bored they are number one nail the niche number two this is your thing, really, Phil. Create a predictable pipeline. Number three, making sales scalable. Number four, double your deal size. Number five, do the time. And number six, embrace employee ownership. So let's start with number one about nailing the niche. And I feel like we've talked about that a lot on this podcast, but maybe we haven't. Yeah, first impression of the six is there's nothing, nothing new. No, there isn't. But there, I think there's some hidden value in some of these. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not knocking it and also having a, a six-step process for for acquisitions and for your own business uh, we don't have a, a written process like that no we don't we, we have, should we have a, a product and, and method for probably each of the six mm-hmm. i think some of them you're going to go through and we might not but certainly for the majority i think we do mm-hmm. I, I would agree yeah definitely well let's just go into the niche because what he says is if you can't do number two, which is creating a predictable pipeline. Number three, making the sales scalable. It's probably because you haven't nailed the niche. So it's definitely a, this comes first. And when they do company acquisitions, or when they at least explore a company to see whether it's a good acquisition proposal, they look at whether that company has nailed the niche first. So what does nail the niche mean? It, that's a good question because, and I was about to try and find it in the book while we're chatting. You can do that because I spoke to a, a client of ours yesterday who owns a lovely home by the lake and, and he was telling me about that he buys businesses and puts his system in and grows it, etc. And I was asking him about what he looks for when he's acquiring businesses. And the first thing he said was a predictable and consistent marketplace. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. So he would know that 
in no time in the future will that market disappear. And he knows that the business can grow exponentially within that marketplace without saturating it. Yeah. Which leans itself to the niche where when you're picking a niche, you need to have that as a consideration where you're trying to narrow down, but you're also making sure that it's wide enough. And that you are 100% certain that it could be a product that was needed 100 years ago and will still be needed in 100 years time. Yeah. As opposed to something that feels like it's on trend right now. I guess every entrepreneur is always looking for the thing that doesn't exist. But actually finding the thing that does exist and works well is, is usually just as powerful. Absolutely, yeah. And just doing it either better, cheaper, faster, yes, bigger than anybody else. Yeah, or different location. So what he says in the book is clues you are not ready to grow. This is when he's talking about whether you've nailed the niche or not. And that's why the word nailing is important. You've mostly grown through referrals, word of mouth. So that's what a lot of agents would say. Sorry, this is the list if you're not ready to... If you're not ready to grow, yeah. You've mostly grown through referrals and word of mouth. Inbound or outbound lead generation has been disappointing. uh, So your marketing isn't working. You realise that you are dependent on pre-existing relationships or a recognised brand to get in the door, even if your product or service is amazing. You're good at too many things and struggle to focus on the one best opportunity. And even when you get quality appointments, too few people buy. So in other words, if it's feeling like it's too hard, you probably haven't niched mm. because people don't know what they're buying you for. So they can't say, oh, I'm definitely going to use XYZ estate agents because they sell every single kind of property. Yeah. Then you don't want somebody to say that. You want them to say, because they only sell this particular kind of property. It's a fear in the industry, isn't it? It's a fear of missing out on everybody else, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you can, I can understand the logic of it. It's an interesting aspect of the industry, how few agencies decide to niche. Yeah, It's got to be below 5%, well below 5%. Well below. Yeah, well, well below, Yeah, I would say. And even some of the brands that you might be thinking of now that feel like they have niched, they probably haven't let go of the bottom of the market. No, I think going back to what our client's conversation I had with him yesterday, if you want to test a niche that see if it works, then go back to last year, which is probably a pretty poor year in terms of sales, and work out how many of that certain niche sold. So if you're going to do high value homes at the top 20% is what we do, or you're going to do apartments, or you're going to do... Waterside homes. What, yeah, whatever, whatever that niche is, work out how many of those sold and maybe plan to, to control 70 or 80% of those if it's as niched as apartments. And then see how those numbers look. Mm-hmm. It should be because that will tell you either if there's a market there and if if it's the right niche to look for we know that if we're going for the top 20 percent in the market that can never ever disappear because n- no matter what homes are on the market there's always a top 20 percent unless there's only two on the market that's the other question isn't it is there enough quantity in the top 20 percent but that's when you can go to a wider area because if you if your fee is going to be 15, 20, 25,000 you can afford to drive two hours away for that fee he also said something interesting which um I'm not sure, is one of these six. He said that he doesn't particularly like giving business advice, but quite often people come to him and ask. And he gives one piece of advice and it's put your prices up. That 99% of, of people's cash flow problems and problems in business can be solved by putting your prices up. And then he laughed and said, oh, you're going to put your prices up now. But I was actually thinking in the back of my head, we've not moved our fee for like five years. Seven years? Why wouldn't you say seven? Well, yeah, seven years, but just, I was just thinking the first few were 1%. But I remember when, when I first started Home Truths, 
So this is going back into like 2005, I think it was. This is, for those of you who don't know, I used to sell advice to homeowners to help them sell more effectively. And the first ever client I signed up, it was £199. And it took me three days to get all the information together, put a report together, had two visits with them for £200. And over time, somebody said to me, just double your prices every year. And of course, I said what everybody says, which is they won't pay it. Yeah. But I never reached a point where they didn't pay it. So I think my the last price I charged was £5,000. Mm. And there was still nobody saying no at that. So I could have continued to that. Because actually, what is the pain point for somebody who can't sell a £5 million home? It's probably worth a lot more than £5,000. Yeah. Well, we know it is because they'd pay us 75000 mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the niche. So actually, when you, and they say in America, don't you, the riches are in the niches. Yeah. And you can also, not necessarily niche, but differentiate with your price. I think if you're sitting in front of somebody in their home, the music to their ears is, we only sell homes like this. Mm. That's all they want to hear. Yeah. They don't want to hear, we sell any kind of home. No. Which is, it's a line I use in every single appointment, unless they've used it to me. I would always get it in there. Number two is create a predictable pipeline. And we had quite a heated debate about this this morning in our finance meeting, didn't we? About how we can report on our pipeline slash cash flow slash banked versus plan to try and make it so it's usable information for us both. Is this not have a systemized lead generation strategy? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That feels different to what we were discussing. No, what we were discussing was how to report on it. Yeah. So yeah. how do you know when you've got a predictable pipeline and what, how do you know what level the pipeline should be was going to be my next part of the question. Yeah, I don't, I don't read this number two as anything to do with pipeline. I know it has the word pipeline in it, but pipeline, I, I think it means a pipeline of leads. No, I don't think so. I think it means a pipeline of sales or potential sales. Which is leads. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I tell you what, while the, you're having the, a the chat re- about it, I'm reason being the- is that going through it logically, you've picked your marketplace, so you pick your niche, and then you need to have a systemized way of predictably generating those leads. Okay, yeah. Of which ours is, is direct mail. We know. Well, it, let me tell you what it says. Go on then. You can have the best product investors or sales process, but without predictable ways to fill your revenue or sales pipeline, you're going to struggle. Yes, but predictable lead generation is the lever to creating hyper growth. Yes. Is that you saying I was right? Yes. Thank you. One million percent agree. I don't think you can't have one million percent, sorry. Oh, sorry, one million one percent agree. That the if if you don't have a systemized lead generation system, predictable lead generation system, so you can say, right, we're gonna send this amount of letters, this is how many we're gonna get. And that might take a year, two years, three years worth of data to be able to, to get to. But without that, you haven't, you haven't really got a business. Agreed. You've got like, you're selling a service, you're selling like your time for money. It's not, there's nothing you own. So what he says is, more often than not, sustainable, predictable lead generation solves a lot of sales problems. Yes. When you struggle generating enough decent leads for your salespeople or yourself, Everything else needs to be perfect. You need a perfect service. You need a perfect salesperson. You need a perfect sales process because you have zero buffer to get anything wrong. But when you have a predictable lead generation machine, you can get pretty much everything else wrong and still do really well. It's the silver bullet, isn't it? That <laughs> how many messages do we get on Facebook from people that promise us eight vows a month through Facebook ads? Or and it's if we've been reading my email again. 
<laughs> is that what it was? It's it's the thing that all business owners search for. If you can just get us through the door, if you can just get us the lead. For us, the letters work amazingly. For most of our clients, it works amazingly. For some, it doesn't quite work amazingly. And we're trying to work out for what reason that, that is. But it solves 90, not 90%, I would use say 90% now I've got more staff. It solves 50% of your growth challenges in your business. No, but it can, it can be 100% the reason you don't grow. Yes, yeah. That's the problem, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I, I guess once you get over the 100% of one challenge, another challenge appears, but... Always. Quick question. Would you like the chance to come and see behind the scenes of our agency, Ashdown Jones, here in the beautiful Lake District? To have a look at all our systems and processes and meet the team and go away with ideas, motivated and fired up to put your plans into action? Well, great news. If you just go to ajmastermind.co.uk forward slash BTS day, which stands for behind the scenes, you'll see exactly how to book on to our next behind the scenes day here at Ashdown Jones. Best of all, it's free. And I actually don't know another, I've not, I've not seen another system other than direct mail in the industry that works predictably. So I'll tell you what he says are the three different kinds of leads. I want to know what you think of this. So he calls these seeds, nets and spears. Seeds are many to many leads created from word of mouth, networks, relationships. So I would say that that is about many to many leads, usually grown through creating happy customers who refer others yeah. and remain as customers for years. Okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. So we've what, seeded them. Yeah, probably wouldn't use that language, but word of mouth. Yeah. Nets are one-to-many marketing campaigns, including a content and inbound marketing as well as outbound marketing. And then spears are targeted outbound prospecting or business development campaigns. Usually a human being is involved working through a targeted list. If we were going to go three different kind of levels yes. of creating leads, which is what we do. So yeah. we always say, don't we, that the letters work, but they work so much better if you do everything else as well. Definitely. So I, I would, in that, using that language, I would, the seed I would have as social media, social proof, soul boards and... Referrals, Referrals, testimonials, yeah, reviews. uh, Where it's nice to have, but you couldn't go, right, let's double our businesses here. Let's double the amount of, it it wouldn't work. Yeah. The next level, what was it called? Nets. The nets, I would say. That content, that's the website. I I would say it was our direct mail campaign. Oh, okay, would you? Actually, yeah. I would say that it's a a system. Right, I see that, That, yeah. We're saying, right, we're going to send it out to this amount of people and this is what it's going to bring in. We can up that if we want to and hopefully it'll be, be predictable. And the spear is more going, right, we're two down this week. How can we react right now and go and, and, go and door knocking? Well, it could also it's, be, I suppose it could be on the market letters, couldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Also, no, I, I, I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't count as, I'll count as net. Right. Okay. The spears, I would say, was action that you're take, you individually are taking in order to get one listing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a one, one-to-one yeah. activity. So, so it's, I suppose it's, your time is highly invested in that one Yes. Outreach. Yeah. Door knocking is the simplest example. Yeah. So in other words, you, you can grow your business like that, but you can't rely on that because there's only one of you. Yes. Got you. Okay. So that is about creating a predictable pipeline. Let's go to number three, making sales scalable. This is harder, isn't it? Because we've only just, well, I say only just, we've taken on a property consultant, we're calling him, aren't we? Senior property consultant. Yes. Tom. And he's been with us now for nearly a year. A year, yeah. And in that year, he's taken on a lot of the heavy lifting of a lot of our mm-hmm. valuations, hasn't it, for you? Yes. 
talk about your decision to take on that person and that role and how it's affected you and your time since. So the decision to take on the role. Yeah, because it was quite a hard decision, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was probably, if we look back now, a couple of years too late. I think it depends on on what you want to do. If you want to have multiple branches, three, five, seven, more than that, the there becomes a, a point where if you've got enough money in the business, enough money in the pipeline, it's the time to bite the bullet and get somebody in and get them trained and get them converting, accepting nobody, the likelihood is nobody will convert at your level. Mm-hmm. And accepting that is quite a challenge, especially when you have a two, three week period where nothing comes in and, and you get a bit on edge and you want to go back in and, and get some. But what that allows you to do is go and open office two, three, four, five and, and put the same systems in place. And all of a sudden it, it becomes more of a numbers game as opposed to an emotional roller coaster. So when fall throughs happen in, in one of the offices, you're a bit more numb to it because you've three other offices or two other offices we've got that are making sales. So it just, it spreads your bets a bit and, and it be, you become more of a business owner. So you, it's, I've got to be honest, it's not as fun. You're looking at spreadsheets and KPIs. Because you haven't got the dopamine hit that you get every time you go and sign a new client up. It's definitely not as fun. So you've got to be clear when you're making the decision on where your company is going and and the reasons for it. If you love having one office, listing, getting the sale and and that's your buzz and that's all you ever want to do and, and you're happy that it's effectively a job and then that's absolutely cool. But if you're not happy with that and you've got bigger ambitions, then that, you, you need to bite the bullet probably earlier than you think you do. And it is hard to do. It's hard to let go. It and is hard. And we had a conversation just before this podcast where he came up and said, he being Tom, that we've got a valuation at 3.5 million. And in the past, I would always say, I'm, I'm doing it. No way would anyone, um, apart from you, obviously, no way would I let anybody even near it. And because I'm a bit more numb to it all, and because it is a lot, He's fully trained now and I, I, we have confidence in him. My only question was, are you confident to get it? Yes, go for it. Also, our listed fees are very high at the moment, so that must play into it a bit. If our listed fees were very low or we were struggling to get instructions, then you might want to dive back in again. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Or And actually, probably the answer would be to do more training with him, not necessarily for you to dive back in. Yeah, that, the, the answer is always training, but that doesn't mean that would happen. Well, Aaron says something like, oh, here you go. Growth creates more problems than it solves, but they are better problems. Yeah, I'm not, it's definitely true. Growth creates challenges that you never even considered would be challenges. That is definitely true. I'm not sure the better problems. I'm not sure I disagree with that, I agree with that bit. So what I don't think we've done yet is I don't think we've necessarily made our sales scalable. We've taken on an extra person to help handle the sales but that doesn't mean to say we've made sales scalable what we have done is we've proven that it can be made scalable that if you could never go out to another valuation again we've proved we can actually replace that part of the business yes yeah, so what would scalable look like several i think and systems and systemized training those kind of things i don't okay. think we've got any of that yet we've no. got two of you yes which isn't quite scalable yeah i agree Hopefully we've said some really interesting things in the next podcast, which our producer can now add in at the end of this podcast so so you are hooked to come back next week. So because there's quite a lot to say about these six things in this formula or system or framework, whatever you want to call it, we're going to split this podcast episode into two. 
So we've now talked to you about number one, naming the niche, number two, creating a predictable pipeline, and number three, making sales scalable. And in the next episode, we're going to be talking about doubling your deal size, doing the time, and embracing employee ownership. If you are feeling frustrated with the lack of growth in your agency and you're impatient to reach those ever-moving goalposts, then here's your invitation to spend a day with us at Ashdown Jones HQ for a no-holds-barred peek behind the scenes of our agency. All you need to do is go to ajmastermind.co.uk forward slash BTS day. And best of all, it's free.